are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Wednesday episode for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about Aaron Rodgers, a little bit more about that game on Monday night between the Bills and the Jets, thoughts on Josh Allen and what he needs to do. We're going to talk about the gambling picks. One thing I forgot to give you on Friday, which it's too late now, but I'm going to tell you what I did do uh, before the season. A little bit more about Deion Sanders and what his ultimate goal is, and then probably end it with a little fantasy football talk. You know, my favorite. We'll get to all that momentarily. So it is official. Aaron Rodgers has torn his Achilles tendon. He is out for the year, and the Jets have decided to go with Zach Wilson for the remainder of the season. And it's certainly an interesting choice. And I think a lot of people are thinking, well, why? I know he's currently the backup and he's being promoted, but Robert Sala came out and said yesterday during the press conference, this is Zach's team and we're rolling with Zach. Now they're going to have to move up. I think uh, I can forget his first name. I think it's Mike, Mike Boyle. They're going to move him up from the practice squad, but To think that the Jets are going to ride all season with Zach Wilson, I know Robert Sala wants to put it out there to basically say I have confidence in my quarterback, but Zach Wilson was your quarterback all of last season, Coach Sala, and you benched him twice. You really think he got that much better in the offseason? You benched him twice, and in the offseason you went out and got Aaron Rodgers. You know why you went out and got Aaron Rodgers? Because you knew Zach Wilson sucked. So to tell us, oh, Zach's our guy, we're rolling with him. No, you're not. I guarantee you will bench him at some point this season because he's shown he's not very good at quarterbacking an NFL team. He's not an NFL starting quarterback. I'm sorry. And not only you can be like, well, this is his third year in the system. He's going to pick it up. No, he's not because you went out and got Nathaniel Hackett in the offseason who worked with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Zach Wilson, if you were listening to the broadcast on Monday night, basically had to start over from scratch. So as bad as he was last year, losing you your last six games after starting 7-4, and four, finishing 7-10, and 10, and out of the playoffs, then you went and got a completely different offensive coordinator in the offseason. So Zach Wilson is basically starting from scratch. I just... It's just a stupid proclamation for Robert Sala to make and say Zach's our guy, we're rolling with him. Because I guarantee you, by the way, it's Tim Boyle is his name, not Mike Boyle. But, I mean, the stories even say it. Aaron Rodgers was brought in for Zach Wilson to learn under him for a couple years, and then hopefully he'd be ready. Not four snaps. He's not ready to start for this team. Now, it's not like they're going to go out and get, I don't think they're going to, you know, try for a Phillip Rivers or anything like that. Carson Wentz is out there as a free agent. You know, you've got your Tarod Taylors that you could trade for. I just, I cannot believe that they're going to ride the rest of the season with Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle and whoever else they may pick up to be a third possible quarterback. But, I mean, we all saw it last season. Zach Wilson was benched two different times. He's not that much better this season all of a sudden. 
But I understand Robert Sala's in a tough position. He's asked about it the day after Aaron Rodgers plays four plays and blows out his Achilles. He can't go up there in front of a microphone and say, yeah, well, I guess we got to roll with Zach. I mean, he has to put out some sort of confidence. But everybody and their mother knows this isn't going to work. He's not good. This isn't going to work. Zach Wilson is going to start this week, obviously, against the Cowboys. And that's that. I mean, there's... After that, who knows? But to think that they're only going to roll with him is ludicrous and definitely not going to happen. Now, the other thing about Monday night's game is we talked yesterday about how badly Josh Allen played. And I told you in his last 19 games, he has 20 interceptions and 17 lost fumbles. You know, he led the league in turnovers last year with 19. 19 turnovers last year. He how has he Josh Allen now has 84 turnovers since he came into the league in 2018. That's the most of any quarterback in the league. He's also in his 6th season, he has the most overtime losses including the postseason without a win or a tie. He's 0-5 anytime the Bills have gone to an overtime game. So as I was bringing up yesterday, I think everyone is still enamored with the game in the AFC divisional round against the Chiefs. That shootout where the Bills should have won and advanced to the AFC championship. He was unbelievable in that game. That put him on the map. Everybody was like, wow, this Josh Allen kid is the next big thing in the NFL. Well, that was at the end of the 2021 season. He's had 17 turnovers. Or, excuse me, 37 turnovers since then. I mean, this is <laughs> this is a problem. And to see that Monday night game, you knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming back in that game. You had a 13-3 halftime lead. It's not like Josh Allen threw great passes and they were just unbelievably defended. You had a 13-3 lead with a team that threw Zach Wilson in there who had a limited knowledge of a playbook. All you had to do as the quarterback of the Bills was run some clock, play it safe, and you get out of there with a win, a, div a divisional win, which is huge. But here he is chucking the ball into double coverage, forcing things, trying to make things happen, running with the ball loose, getting it knocked out, fumbling. I mean, do you realize how bad of a loss that was for the Bills? I know it's only one game. But it's a divisional loss in a game you led by double digits at halftime against a team that was completely deflated and had Zach Wilson on the other end. And you did not score in the second half until the final three seconds of regulation when you kicked a field goal to send it to overtime. That's all on Josh Allen. I'm sorry. Because I thought Buffalo's game plan was fine. Yeah, they're not going to move the ball a ton against one of the league's best defenses because that's what the Jets have. But 
a double-digit lead on the road against the Jets who are coming back in the second half with Zach Wilson, you don't lose that game. Period. End of story. Josh Allen lost that game for them. And 84 turnovers since 2018 is a joke. If he doesn't change his habits, they are never going to advance to a Super Bowl, let alone win one. Your quarterback can't make that many mistakes. He just can't. And the problem is, Josh Allen is making them over and over and over again. And I feel like I've heard him numerous times in press conferences after games saying, I've got to take better care of the ball. Okay, it's great to say it. It's great to acknowledge it. But if you keep doing it, meaning not taking care of the ball, you're in serious, serious trouble. And that's what his, that's what his recklessness is doing. This team is going to only go as far as Josh Allen takes them. When he's on, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But, man, he forces way too much, and he's very irresponsible with the ball. I mean, you hate to say it, but the jury is kind of out on him now. Because the Josh Allen that we saw in that divisional playoff game in Kansas City, in one of the best playoff games you'll ever see, He's only regressed since then. He hasn't improved. And that's a head-scratcher. Because after that, you would have think he was, you know, on a skyrocket to one of being one of the top two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks in the league. He's maybe the sixth or seventh right now. If even that. So, the Bills... You got your hands full, and unless this guy gets his head on straight, you're not going far in the playoffs this year, if even make the playoffs. So one thing I forgot to do on Friday, and it completely slipped my mind. I mean, I gave you all my picks, however, and um, you know, the previous Friday I had given you my college football over-under totals for the season. We had five of those, in case you forgot. Oh, gosh, where are they? Where did I put them? Oh, in case you forgot, the college over-under totals for the season were um, Texas under 9.5, which doesn't look good now because of that Alabama win, LSU under 9.5 wins for the season, and also Colorado over 3.5, which you can pretty much bank is already a winner, UNLV under 5.5, Toledo over 8.5. So we already know Colorado's a winner. They're winning. <laughs> they're going to be 3-0 and after this weekend. If you think they're going to finish the season 0-9, then I I got something to sell you. But I don't think that'll be the case. So Colorado's a winner. I don't want to call Texas a loser just yet because this is what Texas does. Texas is known for playing to the level of their competition. Yes, they beat Alabama. But if they come back and lose to a Baylor or lose to a Tech or lose to Kansas State, what does the Bama win mean? They're known for doing this. Not known for beating Alabama, just known for playing to the level of their competition. Because usually when a Texas team takes the field in the Big 12, they have better talent. That's never been their issue. It's been about execution and coaching. Let's see if they can do it and keep it together this season. Because if they can run the table in the Big 12, they'll be in the playoff. With that resume and a win over Alabama and the non-conference on the road, they can even lose one game. They win the Big 12 championship, have one loss, and have an Alabama road win on their resume. I think they could get into the playoff. It all depends on, obviously, the other conferences and what else shakes out. But that Alabama road win is going to be huge unless Alabama loses like six games this year. 
and that win becomes less meaningful. But I don't think Alabama's going six and six. I do think they're probably going nine and three, though. So still a good win. But those were my college ones. I forgot to give you my pro over-unders that I bet for the season. So I'll give them to you now. doesn't really matter because you can't bet any of them. Uh, unless you have a book that allows you to bet season win totals after the season starts, adjusted, maybe that's possible. But just so we have it on record, uh, my season win totals are the Steelers over 8.5. I think they can go 9-8, and eight, as bad as they played against San Francisco this weekend. They are my number one NFL over-under win total play because I've said this a thousand times, Mike Tomlin has never had an under 500 record as coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this was a 15-year bet of that. Yeah, he's going to keep them above 500. I have the Saints over nine and a half wins, something I talked about a lot. We went over this about how easy their schedule is, and they play in one of the worst divisions in all of football. I have the Panthers under seven and a half. I'm loving that every single day. They looked horrible against Atlanta. I just don't think Bryce Young is coming in in his first season and winning eight games. I mean, if he does that, I will tip my hat and say, you got me. But I do not see the Carolina Panthers winning eight games this year. So under seven and a half, I feel, is a, an absolute lock. Even though there is no locks, remember, no locks, but that seems to be a very, very tough chore for him and that team. I have the Jaguars over nine and a half wins as well. Um, that got off to a good start. I have the Saints to win the NFC South. Those were the only preseason bets I put in. Saints to win the NFC South. Jaguars over nine and a half, Panthers under seven and a half, Saints to win over nine and a half, Steelers over eight and a half. Those are the only ones. So we'll see how they do. Only one of those lost. Of those four lost this weekend, Steelers didn't win. But Saints won, Panthers lost, Jaguars won. Still early. It's one game. Anything can happen. But those were the ones that I put in, and I did not tell you about them on Friday. So... My mistake on that. College football. The story in college football is Deion Sanders. We know this. Colorado, worst team at FBS last year, 2-0 this year with a road win at TCU, a home win against Nebraska. His son, Shador Sanders, is 69 for 89, hasn't committed a turnover, has thrown, I think, six touchdowns and no picks, hasn't fumbled the ball. He's thrown for over almost 900 yards in two games. I mean, he is, you know, what Dion has done is the talk of college football. We all know this. Both Fox Noon Saturday or Fox pregame, whatever their pregame show is called, Big Noon Kickoff uh, is going to be in Colorado on Saturday. College game day for ESPN is going to be there on Saturday. And they're going to move to 3-0 and because I have a – I don't think they're going to have a problem beating Colorado State. My question, though, is this. I don't even know if anybody knows the answer to it yet because he's not going to address it publicly. But what is Dion's ultimate goal? I don't really know. In terms of coaching, and it's two questions. Number one, do we think he's going to be the Colorado coach 
his whole career? Probably not. My guess is he wants a bigger job. He had to start somewhere, and he took over the worst program in FBS. And I guess he realized, if I turn this thing around, a lot more teams will want me. And he's absolutely 100% correct. Now, the thing is, I'm giving Dion all the credit in the world. You know this. I've been talking about him for a month now. But I don't want to say he's turned in a miracle at Colorado, only because, and I only say that because of this. We know what he did to the program. None of those guys that were on the 1 and 11 team last year are on the team this year. I think 10 are returning. So it's not like Dion took the players that went 1 and 11 last year and is now just coaching them up, and they've done this to TCU and Nebraska. He's got players that should be winning. So I, I, it sounds weird. It's like I don't want to take any credit away from him what he's done. But we also, in the same breath, have to acknowledge that, yes, you can say this was one of the worst teams in college football last year. Look at what he's done. Well, he's done it with a completely different team. Let's just also keep that in mind. But all the credit in the world to him for doing that. And he's going to get a bigger job if he keeps winning at Colorado. He's going to say all the right things right now and say we coming and say this and everybody doubts us in this. But if a SEC school wants Deion Sanders, a middle-of-the-road SEC school with way more resources than Colorado comes after Deion Sanders after, I don't know, one year, two years, three years, he's going to leave. So we know his whole coaching career is not going to end with the Colorado Buffaloes. So the second question would be, does Deion want to coach in the NFL? I don't know what the answer is to that. Personally, I don't know if his act plays in the NFL. What he does is he is a leader and he is a motivator and he is a speaker and he is a he is a nurturer of young men and young men want to play for him. College football is a completely different game than pros. The rah-rah stuff that Dion does in his pregame speeches and his halftime speeches that all plays in college football. Because a lot of it is about emotion. You have to motivate 18 to 22-year-olds to play because they're not getting paid a, a cent. Well, with NIL, you got certain players that are that that are now. But, you know, you just don't see that in the pros. Pros is a little more buttoned up, a little more closer to the vest. You're not going to be doing some of the things that Dion does in the pros. Not to mention, nobody in the pros is really going to be in awe of Dion as the coach. I think these kids love playing for him because they idolized him growing up. No one in the NFL is going to be there like, oh, wow. Yeah, they acknowledge he's a great player, and he was a great player, but it's a lot different when your quarterback on your team is making 30 to $40 million a season as opposed to the quarterback on your team is your son. You know, his coaching and his style plays so much better in college football that's where he belongs I don't know if he has any interest in the NFL maybe he does I I don't know if he's ever said it in an interview if that's his ultimate goal what his ultimate goal is I do know he talks about not only making them better football players but making them better men how to treat people like you've seen some of the speeches on Instagram and TikTok that have come out of the Colorado locker room. He is an absolute, one of the best speakers out there. Motivational speakers, inspirational speakers. He's really, really good. 
But you don't need that when you're in the pros. Pros don't need to hear that. Pros will probably tune that shit out. Because, yes, they're competitors. They want to win. But at the end of the day, a pro football player, especially the quarterback, the top quarterback, the top running back, the top wide receiver, best defensive player, they want to win badly. But if they don't, there's only so much they can do, and then they get to go home to their $40 million a year paycheck. So while it will bother them, you can't tell me it will bother someone as much as as someone playing at Colorado or playing in college football who doesn't make nearly as much and is fighting to get to the league. There's a hunger. There's a passion because the kids in college want to get to the next level. When you're at the next level, all you're looking to do is get paid. You want to win, but you want to get paid in the process. So that's why I think his act kind of plays a lot better in college. And I hope he stays there. But to think he's only going to be in Colorado for his whole career, I just don't see that happening. Even with them moving to the Big 12 next year, he's in a better conference. I just don't see it. If an SEC school comes calling or a Big 10 school comes calling with much bigger history in their college football program, Dion's gone. And I, why wouldn't he be? And finally, fantasy football talk. You know I'm not going to talk about it very much because, as I've told you numerous times, while I play it, I don't geek out over it because there's too many things that are out of your hands once the game starts. Actually, everything is out of your hands once the game starts. You can't do anything. Unless you get lucky and you find out about an injury and you have two guys that are playing in the afternoon and one of them is out, you can still switch them out. But other than that, once the game starts, there's nothing you can do. So it's a lot of luck. And as I've told you, it doesn't matter how well you play. It matters how well you play against the team you're playing that week. Perfect example was my league this past Sunday. I had the third. We have a 12-team league. I had the third most points scored of anybody in the league, yet I lost to a guy. I lost this week because I played the guy who had the most points. Only only two teams could have beat me this week on the schedule in a 12-team league, and I happened to play one of them. But that's why in our league we have the head-to-head record and we also have the top six point getters of the week also get a win. And if you're in the bottom six in the point standings for the week, you get a loss. So I went one and one this week, and that's why it's good to have that in your league because I'm sure it's happened to numerous people. If you're listening to this and you play fantasy football, you're like, oh, my God, my team scored 165 points, and the guy you're playing put up 190. You know, it's just like, great. And then you look at everyone else in the league and no one else scored 165, and yet you have an o, you have a loss. You're 0-1. You're just as bad as the guy who put up 60 points in the league. However, if you had our system that we have in our league where not only do you have the head-to-head competition, but you had the point total competition, you would be 1-1. One one, so it wouldn't be as bad of a loss. Just keep that in mind for future seasons. I don't think you can tell your current commissioner in your league to change it since the season's already started but going into next season do that and oh yeah also do an auction draft because snake drafts are so outdated and so dumb anyway thank you all for participating and listening (laughs) did you participate in this you participated by pressing play i guess but thank you all for listening i appreciate it please follow me on apple Podcasts. also rate and review tell your friends about it still working on your friday picks boy that college football schedule this saturday is so fucking ugly 
There are no good games this weekend and a ton of 20-point favorites. I mean, it's just ugly. I'm not going to have a lot of picks for you, and I don't even know if I'm going to have three underdogs for you because I don't know of three underdogs that can win this outright this weekend. I'm sure three will, but I don't want to have to force it every week. You know, I don't want to have to give you three plays. But on a normal college football Saturday when there's good games, I'll easily find three that I think can win. This Saturday, it looks so bleak. So I don't know what I'm going to do with the the underdog picks. You're going to get your best bet. I don't know how many picks I'm going to add outside of the best bet. And I can tell you right now, I'm probably not doing three underdogs. Probably only going to be two. Maybe one. I'm not sure. I don't want to force anything because if I say three every week, then I'm forcing plays, you know, and I don't want to do that. I'd rather win um, on games that I like than just force plays and lose. So anyway, tell your friends about it. It's coming up in two days. Uh, your picks, you know, 13-3-1. And, and if you count week zeros, three-team teaser, I'm actually 14-3-1 on this season because in week zero we had a winner on the three-team. Oh, excuse me. Um no, we lost. Did we lose that? Yeah, we lost that because SC lost by a half point. So it's actually 13-4-1 if we count week zero, which we should. So 13-4-1 in college football. Not bad to start the season. Anyway, tell your friends about it. Thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.